Good evening. So glad you're here with me on a Wednesday night. I uh, want to point out to you that by this time next week, we will all be here. I don't know if uh, we'll be lo- live streaming next Wednesday night or not. We will live stream all the, the Sunday services, but it's we're in discussions on whether to live stream on Wednesday night or not. It might cut into our our private type of prayer that we have here. But we'll let you know about that too. Next Wednesday, be here for our prayer meeting. Also, uh, point out to you, please, that there will be children's ministries next Wednesday. We need a lot of help, a lot of helpers. We need a lot of help uh, to help us to sterilize the church between services. So if you can help with that, please call us, let us know one, one way or another if you could help with that. I'm going to do something that they teach you in Bible college to never do. One of the cardinal rules is you never preach a message that you have to read a longer passage of Scripture longer than 20 verses. I'm going to break that rule. And I want to ask, please bear up with me, and it would be so sweet if you would follow along. Starting in 1 Samuel chapter 9, while you're turning there, I we've been preaching about Samuel. We've been teaching about David. We've been teaching about King Saul. And in the chapter just before, in chapter 8 of 1 Samuel, we see the people crying out to Samuel, their prophet judge, that they want a king. They want a king. They're worried about about, uh, his sons being in charge. They want a human king. And of course, we talked about that last Sunday. God wanted to be their king. But he's going to give them what they want. And in chapter 8, it, Samuel lines out for them what you're going to get. You're going to get, you're going to get a king that takes a tenth of your property, that takes, your, takes your, your, your young men for the armies, your young women in servitude. You're going to see all these bad things happen. But if you want a king, okay, we want a king, they said. We want a king. Well, now they're going to be selecting their king. We're going to show how Samuel selected Saul to be the first king, human king of of Israel. If you'll read along with me, and it is a long chapter, but I didn't want to miss any of this. Some of it's quite amusing. Chapter 9, 1 Samuel. Now, there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish. Now, you've got to understand again, we're talking about, we're talking about 12 tribes of Israel. And yet every person in Israel was from one of these tribes, one of these forefathers. So when he says, now there was a man of Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin, 
whose name was Kish, son of Abiel, son of Zit, son, 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 son. He was a, a mighty man of power. And he, he verse 2, speaking of the, the father being a mighty man of power, he had a son whose name was Saul. He was a choice young man, a goodly, actually goodly looking, and there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. And from his shoulders and upward, he was taller than any of the people. So it is estimated that he may have been like six foot six, six foot eight, one of those that uh, he, when he stood up next to Israelites. Now, generally Israelites were only five, 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 and five, six or shorter the whole nation. And then you have this man who's good looking. Uh, he's a goodly person and he's way taller than everybody else. Verse three. And the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to his son, Saul, take now one of the servants from thee, with thee, and arise, go seek for the donkeys. Now, evidently, Kish ran a donkey farm and a small group of donkeys got loose. And he passed through the Mount of Ephraim and passed through the land of Shalisha, but they found them not. Then they passed through the land of Shalem and they were not there. And he passed through the land of the Benjamites, but they found them not. And when they were come to the land of Zuf, Saul said to his servant that was with him, Come, let us return, lest my father stop caring or leave worrying for the donkeys and take thought for us. So verse 6 is kind of important. He said unto him, Behold now, there is in this city a, a man of God. He is an honorable man and all that he says comes surely to pass now let us go there and maybe he can show us our way that we should go this is Saul saying right up here in this city over here there is a prophet in those days they called them seers s-e-e-r E-R-S. And there's, one, there's a man over here, and maybe he can tell us where the donkeys went. Verse 7. Then said Saul to his servant, But behold, if we go, what shall we bring the man? For the bread is spent in our vessels, and there is not a present to bring to the man of God what we have. And the servant said, Behold, I have here a hand, at hand the fourth part of a shekel of silver that I will give to the, to the man of God, and he will tell us our way. Before in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God this way, come and let us go to the seer, for he is now called a prophet, was before called a seer, then said Saul to his servant, Well said, come let us go. So they went unto the city where the man of God was. Now, of course, the man of God is going to be Samuel. 
I hope you pick that up. And as they went up, as they went up the hill to the city, they found young girls, young maidens, going out to draw water and said to them, Is the seer in? The prophet, is he in? And they answered them and said, Yes, he is. Behold, he is before you, right in front of you up there. Make haste now, for he came today to the city for there is a sacrifice of the people today in the high place. Sacrifice literally can also mean feast. There's going to be a, it's going to be a party day. As soon as you be come into the city, you shall straightway find him before he goes up to the high place to eat. For the people will not eat until he comes because he does bless the sacrifice. And afterwards they eat, that's what's been brought. Now therefore get you up, for about this time you shall find him. So they went up into the city, and when they were come into the city, behold, Samuel came out to meet them before he went to the high place. And the Lord had told Samuel in his ear a day before Saul came saying, Tomorrow, about this time, I will send a man out of the land of Benjamin, and thou shalt anoint him to be captain or king over my people, that he may save my people out of the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people because their cry is come unto me. Now the Philistines were a raiding group of people. When they were hungry, they would go into Israel and steal their food. Whatever they needed, they would go into other occupied areas and steal people's food and even make slaves out of them. And when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said unto him, Behold, the man whom I spoke to thee of, this same shall reign over my people. Hmm. There he is, the tall one there. He's going to be the king, the first king of Israel. Here we are in verse, in verse 9. No, verse 11. And as they went up to the hill of the city, they found the young girls. God used the young girls. God even used the donkeys. And they answered him, verse 13, as soon as you come up into the city, go right to the man. They, the young girls gave, gave Saul directions and help. And so many times in history, it was, it was the young girls or the maidens or the servant, women servants who directed people, their kings, to God. Wow. Verse 18. Then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, Tell me, I pray thee, where the seer's house is. Now this is Saul. This is kind of amusing He's come up 
to the old man Samuel, not knowing who he is, and said, can you direct us to the house where Samuel lives? And he's saying this to Samuel. Samuel answered and said, I am the seer. Go up before me unto the high place, and you shall eat with me today. And tomorrow I will let thee go. I will tell thee all that is in thine heart. Wow. And as for thy donkeys that were lost three days ago, set not thy mind on them, for they are found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on thee and on thy father's house? What? Can you just imagine what... Can you hear what he just said to Saul? Verse again, in the middle of verse 20, on whom is all the desire of Israel? Who do they want? It's on you. They want you and your father's household. And Saul answered and said, am not I a Benjamite? He's basically saying, not me. Of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, and my family is the least of all the families. Wherefore then speakest thou to me? Why me? You sure you got the right person? What kind of a seer are you? And Samuel took Saul and his servant and brought them into the parlor and made them sit on the cheapest place among whom were bidden about 30 persons. And Samuel said unto the cook, Bring the portion which I gave thee, of which I said unto thee, set it by thee. And they brought out the best cuts, the best meats for, for, for Saul. So Saul did eat what Samuel with Samuel that day. Verse 25, And when they were come down from the high place unto the city, Samuel, the prophet, communed with Saul upon the top of the house. Now, again, if you're not familiar with Middle Eastern homes, the, the roofs are flat, and that's where they spend their, their cool times in the evening. That's even where they eat their meals. So they were on the rooftop talking. And they arose early, and it came to pass about the spring of the day that Samuel called Saul to the top of the house, saying, Up, that I may send thee away. And Saul arose, and they went out, both of them. And he and Samuel went out. And as they were going down to the end of the city, Samuel said to Saul, did the servant pass on before us? Tell the servant to pass on before us. And he passed on. But stand thou still a while, that I may show thee the word of God. Chapter 10, verse 1. And Samuel took a vial out of, out of, of, of oil. He poured it upon the head of King Saul. He kissed him and said, is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? I know that was a lot of reading. I hope I didn't lose you. But I wanted you to notice a few things, 
of that chapter. First of all, I wanted you to notice that God used Saul's father. Son, I want you to go look for the donkeys. He used his father. And as we come into Father's Day this coming week, God can direct us through our fathers. He used the donkeys. It's an, it's an amazing thing how God can use animals. And all through the scriptures, he has used animals. He used the donkeys, getting them loose. Saul was very comfortable at home. God had to get him out of home, out of the nest, and out into the country where he would meet Samuel. God used the servant. We don't have any money. I've got a little bit of money. And he used the servant and servant, and he had good fellowship. And he was allowed to take any of the servants. So he probably took a servant, which was also his friend. He used the girls. The girls just happened to be there, and the girls directed him to, how, to where Samuel is. <clears throat> sometimes, sometimes it's the seemingly unimportant, insignificant details in life that when all is added up, they equal great things. <clears throat> I was... I became saved in March of 1975. I grew real quickly. I loved it. I had a great desire to learn the Word. I wasn't called to be a preacher. I, wanted, I was called to be a Christian. I found out real quick that every, every Saturday night, the Salvation Army had a missionary in town. They'd been given a great a great home, almost like a tiny castle. And they would, they would have fellowships. They would have food. They would have meals. And then they would show Christian-type movies. And then also on Saturday mornings, they had uh, pancake breakfast. I think they were fundraisers. I imagine we had to pay. But it brought us together. When I first got the calling of God upon me, that relationship I, I had developed with the Salvation Army captain there in Rota, Spain, 1975. He's one of the very first people I went to. And I told him my story, how God had called me into the ministry. I didn't even know there was such thing as a youth ministry or a children's ministry. But that's what God had called me into. And just my relationship with him, sitting him all those week, weekends and months at a time, developing a, a close friendship with him, I said, where do I do? Why do I go? And for me, God directed him to send me to Lynchburg, Virginia, Liberty Baptist College back then, Dr. Jerry Falwell back then, he said it was the best college in the nation for youth pastors. God used pancakes, bacon and eggs. He used covered dish dinners on Saturday nights. Sometimes we went there on Sundays for the church services. 
when we had our own church. But God use, uses little things, <clears throat> baby-stepping us to follow God and to find our calling. The rest of it I've told before. I wanted you to notice <coughs> what they speak of with God's inheritance. God's inheritance, verse, verse 1 of chapter 10. Hope you're still with me. And Samuel took a vial of oil, poured it upon Saul's head, kissed him, and said, This is because the Lord has anointed thee to be captain or king. Watch this. Don't, don't go past it. Over his inheritance. God has an inheritance. He anointed, he was told to anoint Saul to be king over his, God's inheritance. Wow. We are God's inheritance. It's God's people. We are God's people. Our church is part of his, his inheritance. Our bodies and spirit are God's property. I want to read this passage of scripture to you from 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6, starting in verse 18. Flee fornication, sexual sins. Every sin that a man does is without the body, but he that commits fornication sins against his body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God? You have because of God. And you are not your own. This is not yours to do with as you wish. We are bought with a price. You're not your own. Verse 24. You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We and our bodies, our minds, our spirit are God's inheritance. Does that mean we're his reward? Maybe. Some of us who worship him and follow him, I know he's my reward. I wanted you to notice that God is able to tell us all that is in our hearts. In chapter 9, 19, it said, Tomorrow, tomorrow, I will, tomorrow, I will let you go and will tell you all that is in your heart. God is able to tell us he knows what's in our hearts. That's a good thing or a bad thing. There's nothing that we can hide from him. God is able to tell us all that is in our heart. Chapter 9, verse 19 Samuel says, tomorrow I will let you go in your heart. In John chapter 4, we'll go to in a moment, but the Samaritan woman had this big discussion, almost an argument, a religious discussion with 
Jesus at the well. And Jesus turned down every one of her, argued against every one of her excuses, and Jesus told her all the things in her life. Watch this in John 4, 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed. They believed on Jesus for the saying of the woman who said, He told me all that ever I did. And that is what Jesus said to her. He said to her, uh, about your husband. She she says, you know, I, I have a husband. He says, you have had five husbands. People get in that mode where they just want to be loved. So they end up going that direction, marrying often or having romances often. Jesus is able to tell us all that is in our heart. And and looking out all over Israel, he handpicked, he handpicked Saul to be king. 9.17 And when Saul Saul, Israel is counting on you. When, when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said unto him, Behold, the man whom I spake to thee of, this same shall reign over my people. Over my people. It goes on. He says, Saul, Saul, Israel is counting on you. On whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on you and on all thy father's house? Saul, Samuel says, Israel is counting on you and your father's house. Again, with Father's Day coming, what about the desires and needs of your family? of your country, they are counting on you. Listen, this world is so mixed up and messed up. Everything right is wrong and vice versa, upside down, this world. And if we don't teach our children the right path, if we don't raise our children in the right ways. No one else is. They're going to grab them and they're going to grab them tight and they're going to be taught the wrong ways. Our families are counting on you. We have people in our church that are so gifted with children, with youth, with teaching and and, and trying to make sure they know that Christians have fun too. Please, as we get into our junior high and senior high ministries, we're trying to teach them and help support you, parents, in teaching them morality, the things of right and wrong. In the earlier ages, we're trying to teach them the Bible stories, the Bible verses, and 
that will carry on with them all their lives. Samuel said, Saul, Israel's counting on you. Your children are counting on you to get them into church. Your children are counting on you for yourselves to become involved more with God. Oh, don't let that get away from you. How about this one? Jesus is counting on us. He's counting on us individually with our marriages and our children to live Christian, godly lives, to share the gospel, to share Jesus with, with everyone we come across, to be a help to others with, with the spiritual answers they need. Jesus is counting on us corporately as a church, a body of believers. We need to get this done to get back in church. We need to get in here. We need to get our services going, our ministries going, our missionary support going. We need to get back into church. Jesus is counting on us. As Saul accepted the leadership of Israel, will you accept the anointing of the spiritual leadership for your family and for your church. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, I recognize that on a Wednesday night, I have the most faithful of our church listening, or at least the most faithful in someone's church listening. And Lord, we pray for your spiritual anointing on our hearts and lives. Lord, help us to realize you're counting on us. Some things just won't get done. The donkeys won't be found. The people won't be led without our, our submitting to you and your authority. Lord, as one voice, we ask your blessing upon the opening of our church this coming Sunday. So much to do. I ask you, Lord, to ping people's hearts, tickle their hearts, Lord, that they might be part of the, the crew that helps to sanitize things. Lord, we ask you for leadership and direction in our council meeting this Tuesday night as we finalize some things. And Lord, I pray for your, your grace to be upon all of us here. Lord, there's more than one way to do some things. Lord, help us to honor the way we have chosen to do it, even if it's not our way. Help us, Lord, to come together as a church. In Jesus' name, amen.